Welcome to another episode of Winging It in Motown Radio. I'm your host, Peter, and joining me tonight is Prashant. How are you doing, Prashant? Pretty good, Peter. Awesome. And also with us tonight is JJ. What's going on, JJ? Oh, it's the greatest night ever. Hi. It abs- oh, sorry. <laughs> no, that's it. Hi. <laughs> it absolutely is. I, I thought for a second, I thought you were saying I, and I thought you were going to continue talking. So there we go. All right. We are off to a good start and um, we are, you know, we are basically rolling. We got the teamwork going uh, just like the Red Wings did for about seven games in a row uh, until they were able to break their losing streak against Winnipeg. And it's really good that they did because if they hadn't, um, this probably would be about five minutes of us yelling, complaining, and then read your questions. So luckily, you know, we're able to record this in a, in a slightly better mood than we've probably been thinking about our favorite hockey team for the last little while. Um, so since the last time we recorded a full uh, Winging and Motown radio uh, podcast, the team has played 10 games, uh, starting off with a, a, a really good game against Calgary. I think it was a two win, and that was nice. But then uh, things went downhill shortly after that. Like I said before, seven games in a row lost. Um, out of those 10 games, we had 20 possible points. And the team picked up seven, which obviously is not going to be good. Also, we had uh, two horrendous games against uh, the Canadians. The second one being the 10-1 shellacking that is, is definitely up there with one of the, the worst performances by a professional hockey team that I've, I can remember. So... Uh, we're just going to get started talking a little bit about um, you know, what we've seen from the team, good and bad, the last little stretch. Uh, so, uh, Prashanth, I'm going to go to you first. So, so, so what's on your mind about the team's play of late? I mean, this is a bad hockey team, and we finally know. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's not a whole lot to, to say about it. You know, their, their early season start had some people, including myself, questioning the preseason projection. But I think what you're just seeing – now and it's kind of catching up and this is regression happening at its finest um the skill level on the team is not high enough to consistently win without 100 110 percent effort and so you saw that when the effort level started to dip um you know they just can't compete and they get blasted when you have a game like they played against montreal um both games really against montreal were just ugly ugly performances so i think the team is exactly who we thought they were it just took a little bit longer for us to see that. Yeah, I think I, I remember earlier in the season, you know, watching the games and just being co- almost constantly amazed at how many, you know, great scoring chances the defense would give up. Or, you know, I mean, the forwards too, but, you know, defensively, I mean, you know, how many great scoring chances the wings would give up and they keep getting bailed out either by, you know, Jimmy Howard and net or the other team would just either blow it or shoot it wide or hit the post. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, like you just said, I think we're seeing a team that if Howard doesn't stand on his head, um, you know, or Morazic on occasion, then, uh, you know, we're just giving up too many, too many scoring chances against, and, you know, it's catching up with us. Uh, JJ, what do you have to add to that? Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, Ken Daniels has, has said it a bunch of times this year. Is you're you know you're never as good as your highs, you're never as bad as your lows, and that's a pretty good 
even keel take for for this season because like they're not as they're not consistently going to be as bad as they were in the two games against montreal but uh shit like that is going to happen um because uh, the team isn't good enough to consistently put together efforts like they did against winnipeg and like even then like the the winnipeg win it was it was five to one it I'm not going to say, and it would be irresponsible to say, that Detroit did not deserve to win that game. They absolutely did. Uh, did they deserve to win it 5-1? to one? Eh, probably not, but who cares? Kind of like they probably didn't deserve to lose the... No, actually, they probably did deserve to lose that 10-1 to one game. Um, just, although I don't know, the the, uh, the Shaw goal, the 10-1 the really pissed me off because it was just one of those, like... That happened once or twice a season and just had to happen in that game. Or it's just a bullshit wrister that gets through some weird, like, it goes through the crook of a guy's leg and the goalie never sees it. So, yeah, they're not going to be, I mean, they're not going to be consistently anything. They're not going to be consistently good. They're not going to be consistently terrible. So uh, we expected that if they ride luck, they'll be bubble. And if they ride unluck, they'll be basement. And in between, that's... (laughs) Probably where we expect them to be not bad enough to get the, a great chance at the lottery, but hopefully at this point, I mean, right now at this point, we're just kind of hoping that they're not so good that uh, that Ken Holland doesn't sell. Yeah, I mean, I think that 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 would be in my in my opinion, like probably the worst case scenario, you know, because. Even if somehow by some miracle, you know, the teams, you know, is able to somehow make it into a playoff position, you know, this, this team needs, you know, we need, we need more assets, you know, like, like Prashantha said before, you know, the team just isn't good enough. We just don't have the players we need. And you know, this is going to be a really good draft. And I mean, this is, you know, this is the year to, you know, to, to, to get that, that high draft pick. And it's going to be really frustrating if we if we end up missing out on that. Um, and and like you said, I mean, you know, we have we have assets. You know, we have Mike Green. We have other players that we can we can probably sell at the deadline. And you know, the worst case scenario would be that we just hold on to them, and you know, we don't get what we can for them. And I mean, that would just make this almost kind of like a lost season. And and you know, you can't have that. Um, so one of the things uh, that people have been talking about is. Uh, Jeff Blashill, right? Because especially these last, uh, well, not not the last game, but the the two games prior to that, the Montreal games, you know, the first one and then especially the second one, you know, there's lots of people talking about if the team had 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 quit on Blashill, if he'd you know quote unquote lost the room, and I mean, you know, when you sell the compete level, especially in that ten to one game, you know, it's kind of hard to argue that you know there was something going on in terms of the team, you know, not playing up to their potential, or I mean, like you know. No, that's <laughs> putting it very mildly. Um, so, so JJ, I'll just go to you first. So, you know, so what are your thoughts on this situation? Do you think that um, do you think that the team has tuned out Blashill, or do you think that this is something that can be repaired? Yeah, it's and I, you know, you and I were were talking about this uh, earlier in the week about how it's it seems so final to say that they've tuned out the coach, like. Once the coach has been tuned out, the the locker room is is gone, and and he can't get it back, and it's it's essentially he's got to be fired at that point. So, and I I don't necessarily want to say that because it it doesn't feel like it, but at the same time, there's the there's this feeling like the team has not responded in to adversity in ways that they should have. 
And in terms of what you kind of expect the coach to do, you expect the coach to dictate the team's response to things going shitty. Earlier in that seven-game losing streak, they were losing games, but the process was still good. It was was when Jeff Blashill called out Anthony Manta, it was – I mean, it made sense. Manta hadn't played very well. And it's one of those you expect him to to get better. And once that call out happens, you know, it then the Kings lost. They lost the Kings four to one in a in a not very inspiring effort. Uh, they played like one good period against Montreal out of six, and then fell. And that Montreal that first game against Montreal, Montreal played the the night before. And had the most energy in the third period, and that's something that's that's unforgivable. And I I, I constantly harp on how I, I hate kind of saying like, oh, they're they're not trying hard enough, um, because I I don't know. Like it's it's really hard to judge effort, but just all the the responses to what was going on was, was you can't lose races to a team that played the the night before in the third period. You need to dictate the the play, and then coming out the body language of the team in like before the game even got out of hand in Montreal was not good. And those are things that I expect the coach to, to prevent. And he hasn't. Mm. And you know, this it, that was on the tail end of a long losing streak. So I don't know if they're tuning him out, but they're not responding the way that they need to be. And at some point the, the, the biggest concern because. Right now, a lot of the the conversation out there it, it centered around, um, well, you know, who the hell we're going to replace him with right now? We've got we've got a roster that's not very good anyway, and the problems run deeper than than behind the bench. So, what exactly do we do? Um, my concern there is we still have guys in, especially Anthony Mantha and Dylan Larkin, and I'll throw Andreas Athanasiu in there as well. In terms of these are the guys that I want out there learning and i want them coached that is more important to me than whether or not thomas tatar's body language is okay in during a, a 10 to 1 game or that's more important to me than whether or not um they should have pulled peter morazic after the fourth goal as opposed to waiting for him to give up the fifth it's the the future of of what all these decisions are going to hinge on those kids that i'm i'm counting on being at least the vanguard, if not absolutely the core of a Red Wings team that's that I'm going to actually put expectation into because I, I don't have any for this one. And I don't know if, if Jeff Blashill is the co- and I don't think anymore that Jeff Blashill is the coach that's going to do that rather than that, that, that's going to su- successfully help them navigate this time period. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, like the last couple years, um, you know, you know. I think part part of the difficulty for me in trying to assess some of the decisions that Blashill made, you know, and like I said, over, over the past couple of years, like for example, in terms of uh, you know lineup decisions, you know, things like that, you know, it was kind of hard to tell. You know, he's a new coach. You know, does you know Ken Holland or somebody else have some input here? You know, uh, you know, is Blashill making the decisions himself or? You know, kind of like the the whole thing with you know Babcock would say you know Ken Holland has two votes, I have one, and you know it was you know it's it's kind of been hard, and I've I've been really hesitant to just be like okay, I don't think that he's going to be the coach for the future 
but then you know the big question is going to be you know if if we do decide that you know he's not going to be the coach for the future you know do we do we let him finish the year or do we make a change now like i kind of felt if if the winnipeg game went bad i kind of felt like you, you know holland would be almost forced to make a change i would have been very surprised if there wasn't a change at that point but um Prashant, i'm going to go to you because i know you had uh, i remember you had a lot of tweets on this issue um you know so what are your thoughts regarding blashill uh you know both long term and in terms of like you know if you know, if it's time for the team to move on or if not, like if there is something that would happen that would make you think that, you know, it's time to move on before the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the trickiest situations and it's not just the Red Wings situation, but when you, one, follow a coach like Mike Babcock, two, you take over an aging roster and three, you know that your general manager is not doing you any favors in terms of revamping that roster Blashill was always going to be in a lose-lose situation here. There's no way with the talent level on this team over the last two to three years that he was going to get what people were accustomed to. Mm. Now, if that's the right way to judge him, and unfortunately he's not getting judged in that that fashion. He's getting judged against past expectations and projections of what we think this team could be based on what, one of the best coaches in the NHL, Mike Babcock, was getting from this team. Mm-hmm. And even then, we have to remember how much of that was still Babcock versus you still had Datsuk, who was one of the best players you know, of the last decade. So I think there's a lot of challenges when it comes to evaluating Jeff Blaschel correctly. Is he the right coach for this team? I honestly have no idea. He is not the right coach in my mind when I'm saying that the main goal, like JJ said, is to maximize the development of the young players. Yeah. Um, that's a tough that's a tough point because I'm saying that because I from the public sphere have not have not enjoyed what I've seen in terms of the way he discusses the young players the way he uses the young players. At the same time, Larkin, Mantha and Athanasi were all averaging over 2.1 5 on 5 points per 60 minutes this year. I mean, that's really strong performance. Dylan Larkin in particular has been the best skater non-goalie edition for the Red Wings this year and it's not really close. So I say that publicly, I don't like what I've seen, but I can't argue with the results that he's got. So again, it's a really tough evaluation for me because all of them are performing, all of them are scoring, and Larkin's having a great year and he's 21 years old. Mm. So I don't, I don't know what the right answer is, but I do know that the, right, the best move right now is not to fire him because I can say he's getting results from the young guys, whether or not I agree by the method he's doing it, He's not damaging their growth. And as such, if Holland really is gone at the end of the year when his contract's up, I don't want an interim dummy coach. I don't want to waste Todd Nelson on a wasted season. I would rather have a new general manager step in and get to make that decision. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's, you know, know, I I think I think we kind of you know, all kind of came to the same conclusion. The only thing is, is, is it's, it's kind of hard to tell, you know, cause I really like what you mentioned is that, you know, we, you know, we, we don't see everything, you know, we, we see what we see. We see, um, you know, Blashill's, you know, public comments, you know, in uh, press conferences and, you know, locker room, uh, you know, talk after the game, you know, we, we see that, but, we, you know, there, there's, there's always stuff going on behind the scenes that we don't know about, you know, and it could be better than we think it could be worse than we think. Like we just, we just really don't know. And that's a, it's a really hard decision to make. Um, I mean, I, I think definitely there's a, a huge downside in firing him 
because, you know, like you said, there's not really anybody I really want to step up in there. And, you know, that's, you know, you, you know, you know, you don't want to make a decision, you know, make a make a move just to make a move. Um, so, yeah, it's an interesting yeah. consideration in terms of the like the rebuild process, because obviously we're all on the same page that they uh, they need to do more to essentially speed up where they're at in that. But in terms of the the kids that they have right now, you know, it what you kind of want is because even the Blashill is still ostensibly he's still a player's coach. Really, he's uh, he uh, has, has spoken about guys in in public that that isn't exactly kind, but you don't get the the feeling like he's a a a big red asshole coach. Mm-hmm. Like there are guys that still hate. Mike Babcock and like that is very much a like well it's not his, it's not my job to be liked and that is you know that it's a hallmark of a, a lot of successful coaches so the guy that you want taking over for Babcock or, or for Blashill and that like Blashill should be handing this over when it's time for the t- maybe when it's time for the team to like really make that transition from and he might actually need we he might be necessary to lead them to the bottom so that we get another guy in who is like really going to come in as, as Captain Blood with the young guys essentially ready for him. Like, if you thought that that Blashill calling out in public was was unfriendly, wait until you deal with my practices. Or, mm. wait, you know, you, basically what we're hope what I'm well, I guess what I'm kind of hoping for is the next Scotty Bowman because Scotty Bowman was not well liked by his star players, but he got the best out of them, mm. and it. I don't expect guys of that age to necessarily like their coach. I don't think those guys liking their coaches is even a, a good thing um, until they get late in their careers or even until they've even uh, stepped away and realized that not liking the coach was a really good motivator for uh, for getting the best out of them. So, yeah, that that's an interesting consideration is maybe don't get rid of him right now because you kind of need him to – to hand things off to, to for those guys to essentially take the next level, um, which I, I don't think he can do. Yeah, I think um, you know I, I think I think you know between all of us, I think we've pretty much laid out um, you know all the major considerations. So you know I I don't think they're going to make a change unless there's you know another losing streak. You know unless it just gets really bad to the point, like I said before, where you know you kind of have to. Um, you know, like if they had followed up that 10, one loss with another really bad loss, I mean, at that point, Ken Holland pretty much, you know, he's, he's got a lot of pressure to make something, you know, do something. Um, and you know, the other option would be a a trade and, you know, you don't want to be dealing from a point of desperation. You know, that's, uh, it's not good, but you know, we're, we're, you know, some of us are waiting on that Edmonton panic trade so we can laugh, but, uh, still hasn't happened yet. Um, so speaking of Ken Holland. Right. So this is the next topic we have, um, you know, like JJ wrote in the mailbag, we're sick to death of talking about it. This this you know, we get asked this all the time about uh, Ken Holland and his future. But, you know, like he wrote as well, you know, if you're talking about, you know, whether or not the coach should be fired, then you do have to you do have to talk about this. So I guess um, so, JJ, I'll go to you first. So, um, you know, so let's you know, so let's talk about this a little bit, maybe put it to rest once and for all, at least until the next mailbag. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I just 
I guess I have to reiterate. I don't think that Ken Holland is the right GM for the Red Wings anymore. I think that he's made too many mistakes and he has like he talks a big game about, you know, how the NHL has changed and he seems to to get it by now. Like he, you know, the the Keating interview that that aired, he, he talked about, "Oh, you need young kids on on ELCs." It's like, "Well, thank you for realizing <laughs> that, but you still you're still not taking advantage of that and it's there's still like the Darren Helms and the Justin Ablocators who yeah, you can argue that they're that they're they got market value, but there's uh, too many guys that got you know market value on a team that doesn't have enough star power. So uh, Ken Holland does need to go. I think that I I still do agree with the concept that the new GM's first big power move for this team, because one of the one of the considerations of the team is that they do kind of need a, a culture shakeup too. Is uh, the because Pittsburgh did this too with with Bilesma. You bring in the new GM and you let the new GM axe the old coach, and that's kind of a well. This is our new direction. Uh, get on board, or if you want out, you know you know where my door is. You can come ask me to to trade you. Uh, good luck with me being able to get out from under all of those no trade clauses. <laughs> yeah, Cesar cave out. Um, yeah, Ken Holland has got to go. Um, I. At this point, it's it's another one of those. I don't know why you do it right now, other than if you've got another GM candidate. And I I do think that the the next GM needs to come from without the organization. And I don't think it's going to happen. But um, I think the the Red Wings way needs a, a serious overhaul. And um, I would still allow Ken Holland the the ability to make the call and and ride out the rest of this season without firing him prior to, you know, the, the, the trade deadline and, and dealing into the next draft and all, all that crap. But if I'm Chris Illich, I'm my, my main question is what, what are your plans for Mike green? And if, if he does, if he's not willing to tell me right now on, on in early December, uh, I'm moving Mike green, then yeah, I, my thought would be we've got to get a new GM who's, who's willing, who's going to be willing to do that uh, before Ken Holland screws it up any farther. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with, with, with everything he's just said there. Uh, Prashanth, what do you have to add to that? Yeah. JJ brings up a lot of good points. I'll try and hone in on a couple of them. I think first, the most important thing for Chris Illich to decide is like we just talked about with Jeff Blaschel, does Ken Holland finishing out the year negatively impact the Red Wings. And I think the most important thing is exactly what JJ said, the Mike Green deal. Mike, you have to get something for Mike Green. Mike Green is putting points on the board. It doesn't look pretty. There are a lot of people who seem to like him, but his defense is terrible. But you still have to get something for him. Um, You cannot let him walk. You cannot lose him. You have to get something for him. So that has to be the first um, move that Chris Illich needs to go and talk to Ken Holland about. And, you know, while we've said that Holland's made a lot of mistakes, last year was really the first year he was put in a position, or he at least, uh, you know, put himself in position to be the seller at the deadline. And he actually did a good job. He sold a lot more than I thought he was going to sell and got relatively decent returns. The Vanek return again, was kind of a difference in opinion of how much people thought he was worth, but still, you know, he sold well at the, at the deadline last year. So 
you know, like Blasio, I'm not necessarily ready to slam on the button and say he's got to go because I'm worried about him screwing up the team. But Chris Illich needs to be pulling him in the office and say, what is your plan? Your plan better be to sell heavy. But then not just that. You Holland publicly said this, but privately I know it's different. He's got to be thinking about the extensions for Larkin, Mantha, and Athanasiu. Um, you can't. I would not want to wait on all three, you know, un, f- until the summer because yeah. you have a really busy summer with Larkin, Mantha, Athanasiu, and you've got to make decisions on Martin Furt, and you've got to make decisions on Peter Mrazek. Mm. Um, and while and we've already heard rumors that the salary cap may be as high as eighty million dollars a year, so. He's going to have some space, it sounds like. I would at least like to get Larkin locked up. He's the most, he's the easiest one. He's giving you everything right now. He's showing you he's going to be a big-time player. Get him locked up during the season. So now you have more in front of you and more time to work with the other two guys who will be a little bit trickier. But, that I mean, he's got to sell at least one of, you know, he's got to sell Mike Green and he's got to say, He's actively shopping one, if not both, goalies. Um, yeah. And if that's not the case, then you got to get rid of them. Turn it over to Chris Draper or Ryan Martin. Make them show you as the interim GM. If they if you don't like what you see, bring in that external candidate. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's hard to argue with that. Um, you know, I think again, just like with Blasher, like we're all, you know we're all pretty much on the same page here. And uh, so it's going to be interesting to see see what happens. I mean, I think the most likely thing is that both of them finish out the year. And, you know, hopefully, you know, there's not some type of Holland extension or, you know, that's I, I think that would be very detrimental. So, um, you know, so, you know, so hopefully hopefully what we think is going to happen or, or we think should happen, at least most of it happens. Um, all right. So we're going to move on to uh, to talking about uh, some specific players um, so obviously the team as a whole isn't doing very well overall, but, you know, like we said, there have been some bright spots. So, you know, you know, let's take a look and talk about, um, you know, which players we think are, are doing well, you know, which players we think are, are doing poorly. And I, I guess, especially, uh, you know, in regards to expectations. Um, so Prashanth, I went to you second last time, so I'll go to you first. So, um, you know, what are some of your thoughts about, you know, good players, bad players, uh, in regards to expectations this year? Yeah, I mean, in regards to expectations, obviously the biggest surprise has to be Justin Abdelkader. Um, I don't know how many of us would have said Abdelkader would be playing at a 50-point pace um, this year, but he is. Um, he's got 18 points and 27 games played for him, on track for you know 53 right now. Uh, his totals are definitely boosted a bit by secondary assists, and so we'll see if... He continues to rack them up, but he's producing, and I can easily tell you I did not think he would sniff anywhere near 50, let alone 30. Um, so that's a big early season surprise, one in the positive direction. I think a guy who's really, really, really disappointed me this year is Nick Jensen. Um mm. I thought he would be a lot better. He looked real good last year, very mobile, very active. But the dude looks absolutely lost in his own zone. Um, And at times, I think he's forgotten how to play hockey. Um, Him and Xavier Ouellette, the two of them together are my biggest disappointments. I really thought that Ouellette could be 
was Detroit's best shot at a top four defenseman of the current young guys. Um, and I really thought Nick Jensen was going to be a little bit better than that. But maybe this explains why he didn't break into the NHL until he was 26 years old. Yeah. Uh, JJ, what about you? I, I totally agree on Abdelkader. Like, nothing but uh, but good thumbs-up happy feelings for, for how he's doing. And I hope he's he's able to keep this up. Um, because that, that – that, Last year's performance like really colored how really colored his deal. I mean, a lot of people weren't really happy with it because it was it was too long. But that was supposed to be a deal that he was supposed to be able to live up to for a while before falling off. And so this is more than fifty points. It was not my expectation for him. But if he keeps on that pace, hell yeah. Um, I don't I don't know that I necessarily had such high hopes for Nick Jensen. So I guess I haven't been as as disappointed, uh, Woulette, Yeah, I'm kind of like it's. I'm at the point where the defensive core has not been good enough, and I mean those were two. Those were basically the only two points of of hope in terms of growing the defensive core for the future. So at this point, I'd just soon uh, move on from from that and say, you know, pull Joe Hicketts up. Uh, Trevor Daly has one point so far this season. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I know that when we made that signing, there was a lot of caution out there about you don't expect Trevor Daly to come in and basically be uh, uh, also Mike Green. Mm-hmm. But I, I think we're fair to say that, that 26 games in and, and one assist on the entire season has been uh, the, the below standard. Um, hell, even Jonathan Erickson's got five points. Hmm. Uh, in terms of uh, the rest of the guys, it's it is weird seeing Henrik Zetterberg like below Justin Applicator on the scoring, and he has looked like his age is, is catching up to him. Like you know, I, I wouldn't be I'm not grading him like terribly low because you can still see he's uh, he's bringing it and he's got the the hockey smarts. It's hmm. just there's there's something off about him, and it's it's concerning. Um, Darren Helms getting paid a lot of money to only have 10 points so far. And that's the thing. It's like there's a lot of – it's great to see Larkin and Manta up at the top of the, the Red Wings uh, scoreboard. That is is fantastic. And everybody else is kind of like, I don't know, just hanging out. <laughs> just the, the team is just not very good. And, and at least the, the standouts are the, the guys that we had high hopes for anyway. So, Ray. I don't know. Yeah. Let's blame Nyquist and Tar for not doing more. <laughs> well, I mean, it's still we're still early. The team hasn't been eliminated from the playoffs yet, so um, you know we'll we'll wait for that to happen and then we'll see. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm trying to look and see who else to mention. I think. Um, <laughs> I mean, Marty Furk, the other guy I'd mention. Hmm. I mean, I don't know how many people thought he'd have six goals and ten points in twenty games, but yeah. that's that's pretty impressive, though. The dude. Literally can't hit the net, but when he does, it goes in. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, if you look at, um, you know, you know, you talked about daily. Um, you know, it seems like at least for a while, you know, the daily Erickson pairing was doing better than I had expected it to do. Um, you know, I think Erickson's doing better than I expected, and I mean, some of that I think could be, you know, kind of, you know, the expectation game. You know, no, you know, 
you know, you didn't really expect him to do do that well, you know. But I mean, you know, he's third third on the team in average time on ice, just below Daly, uh, and then below Mike Green is the highest on the team, you know. So you know, I wouldn't say he's he's having a fantastic season, but you know, compared to what I thought he 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 would be this year, he's he's definitely played a little bit better than that. Um, and I mean, I mean, the obvious ones, you know, Lark and Mantha. Um, you know, it's hard to really say anything negative about them. Uh, and oh yeah, I'm Jimmy Howard, right? I mean, you know, I, I thought he would, you know, probably have another good year. Um, you know, but up until the last couple games, you know, for obvious reasons, uh, you know, with the, you know, the large amounts of goals scored by Montreal, he, um, you know, his numbers have been really good. He's, he's bailed, you know, bailed the team out numerous times, probably single-handedly won some games for them, or at least, you know, some points. So I think Howard's definitely somebody that has to be mentioned there. Yeah, I think I, I think we got pretty much everybody I can think of. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. So before we get to positivity corner, um, let's take a little time to talk about you know stuff outside of Detroit. Um, so there's you know there's some storylines in the league that are interesting. There's some storylines in uh, international hockey. Um, so JJ, what's what's one? I mean, obviously you can do more than one. But you know what what's one storyline outside the Red Wings um, that you're finding interesting right now? Uh, I'm waiting to see like how all of the Russia's ban from the Olympics is is going to play out. Like I, I don't know if I missed any news today about how that's going to work out. Whether or not they're going to play under the OAR banner or if they're just not going to. I know that uh, that Sweden has come out and said that you are not absolutely not going to. The KHL is absolutely not going to keep Swedish players out of our Olympics. And I expect that the IAHF is, is going to back any of that, too. Like, regardless of whether or not Russian parliament wants to pass a law saying no KHLers at the Olympics because of this, um, the IAHF doesn't care about that. They're going to say the uh, we're going to go with whatever the uh, each country's uh, Olympic groups want to say. And if the KHL wants to wants to, you know, frown about that, have fun with it. So. I'm waiting to see how all that plays out. Although, you know, we're getting more stuff out of a, 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 the U.S. hasn't necessarily committed to sending anybody to Pyeongchang either. Um, so this this will be a fun time. <laughs> um, but honestly, in all of that, like what's what I don't want to get lost is I'm really looking forward to watching the women's tournament. Hmm. That is always the Olympic women's tournament is always such a great matchup between the U S and Canada that, that we don't get to see too, too often. So I don't want like the, the circus of the, the politics behind all of that or, or how I think the, the men's tournament is going to be largely trash anyway. Um, I don't want that to kind of color like how awesome the, the women's Olympic hockey is going to be. Yeah, I agree. The, um, um, you know, the, the Olympic storyline is, is definitely dominating the news, the Russian and, uh, you know, like, like you said today, there was, uh, I think a press conference where the press secretary, uh, you know, said that it's not guaranteed that the U S is going to send athletes to, uh, to the winter Olympics. But yeah, I mean, wholeheartedly, uh, you know, the, the women's hockey tournaments are always super fun to watch. Um, and I'm definitely looking forward to that as well. Uh, Prashanth, what about you? What, what, what storyline outside the Red Wings are you most interested in right now? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, JJ brings up the, the big one with the Olympics. I mean, kind of dialing back into the NHL, there's a couple of interesting ones, but probably the one that stands out to me is 
I don't know how Vegas is doing what they're doing. <laughs> that was, that was going to be mine. <laughs> That's okay. I, I got another one, too. Seventh best record in the NHL by points percentage, despite playing goaltenders who I'm not sure are actually real people. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, their, their, their pride and joy was going to be Marc-Andre Fleury, and he barely played. Yeah. And they've gone all the way down to their fifth-string goaltender, and they just keep winning games, and... Well, in the early part of the season, everyone was going, okay, they're going to regress because they're not playing that well. I mean, there's been a couple of charts shown over the last couple of months. They've got the best score-adjusted Corsi percentage in the NHL. Like, I I don't know how they're doing it. I don't know how Gallant is doing it because that team looks like crap on paper, but they are playing and winning and doing it in the Western Conference. So uh, hats off to them. And then the other one is Riley Shahan who I was reminded of today, apparently will not stop scoring for Pittsburgh, has seven <laughs> points in 11 games, and now eight and 20 for playing for the Penguins. I mean, I kind of knew this was going to happen because I thought he'd be a 10-goal, 30-point guy for them, but it kind of hurts to see it <laughs> as he starts creeping closer to, you know, and surpassing Darren Helm numbers and su- as such and such. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, well, let's oh, wait sorry. to see how how many points we've gotten out of Buffalo's 2019 fifth rounder by the end of the year before we <laughs> yeah. close the book. Very on true. That. We can't we can't grade the we can't grade this deal too early. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think something happened there. It must have been a lightning strike because I think we had some type of uh, Freaky Friday switcheroo um, because you know we we got Trevor Daly from you know formerly of the Penguins and he has one point zero goals. So. Um, the Riley Shane curse lives on for another year, apparently. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Vegas was definitely going to be my 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 first choice because um, you know I was talking to Jay on the other podcast. I was like, you know, it could be the last week of the season, and Vegas, you know, is you know fifteen points up in a playoff spot, and I'm still going to think they're going to miss the playoffs because like it just makes no sense how they're doing what they're doing. But um, the the uh, the backup one I was thinking of is. Um, the the and it's not just one city there's there's a couple cities right now where their media is just making fools of themselves um but i just really enjoy watching the edmonton media who spent weeks uh talking about how connor mcdavid was you know was, was to blame for the oilers losses and then having this this uh you can't pick on chris russell uh after he you know probably shot the best uh you know the best best wrist shot i've seen from edmonton this year outside of mcdavid uh past his own goaltender and they're like oh no you can't you know i mean he's you know he he tries his best he plays hard every game you can't you can't get on him and meanwhile they're almost ready to run you know one of the best players in the world out of town and try to uh blame everything on him so sometimes when i get a little annoyed at 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 the the detroit media i i like to see things like that and realize that other cities and other other teams have it way worse than we do um so yeah so we have um we, we have a segment that we we definitely need um after this last round of red wings games uh so we have our positivity corner uh, so, uh, Prashanth, what, what are you positive about either Red Wings or outside or both or what, what do you got? I'm positive that I will be drinking a lot this weekend at Little Caesars <laughs> Arena with JJ and have a good time regardless of whether or not it's a 10-1 loss to the Blues. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, I forgot it's. Oh yeah, I forgot. Uh, I mean, I knew they were playing St. Louis, but uh, for some reason, I just didn't put those two things together in my head that that's the game that you guys are going to be at. Um, so yeah, um, JJ, what about you? JJ. <laughs> ah, I was muted the whole time. Damn it! <laughs> That's okay. I, I said the most. I said the most beautiful thing ever, and then like I heard a JJ. Are you sorry? Oh yeah. I'll, I'll never get it back either. This is just a tribute. No, I I, I agree. I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, the the Wim get together on Saturday. Um, you know, finally get out to the to the LCA and get to experience it for myself and get to hang out with, with all the cool people like it's it's uh you know it, I, I don't get out but more than once or twice in a, in a season and it's a good opportunity to to meet and uh, and remind myself that you are all real people that um that you help me immensely because like in kansas there's not there's not hockey culture so like being able to to reach out and share this this with people and then actually going and, and putting faces to names and, and just having those same conversations. And it's, and it's not, even, it's not awkward. And that, that always like, it's not surprising, but it's always just so cool that like you, you can sit on opposite sides of a computer or you can sit on opposite sides of a bar and it's basically the same thing. So um, I'm looking forward to being able to, to actually share, share meat space with, with my friends. Nice, yeah. I think I'm definitely going to have some uh, some secondhand positivity about that because uh, I'm not going to be able to be there. But I'm I, I am very happy that that you guys get to go. Um, actually, it wasn't too long ago. A couple months ago, I got to meet Prashanth for the first time at the uh, the Rochester Hockey Analytics Conference. That was that was a really fun time. Um, so I think for for me, my positivity corner is. Um, <sighs> The, uh, the 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 last episode of the podcast that we put up for for Wim Radio was a joint one with uh, JJ and me, and then also with uh, Jay, my for sure co host, and we got to talk to Ken Daniels, and that was just a lot of fun. You know, since starting the new podcast, I've gotten to talk to you know Craig Custance and you know a whole bunch of other people. Um, and you know, every interview is fun. It's been a really good time, but you know, it was just, I don't know. It's just really cool to get to talk to Ken. He was, he was a really nice, you know, uh, you know, he was really nice and gracious with his time. And, um, you know, it turned into a really good conversation. And like JJ said, he, he actually got to make the, uh, the most off color comments of the whole time. And, uh, that was pretty fantastic. Yeah, that was great. So yeah, if you're listening, and you haven't had a chance to go listen to it. Uh, you know, definitely go give that a listen because that was a really great conversation, um, and you know, I definitely one of the most fun things I've gotten to do in in, in a very long time. All right, and so uh, all we have left is our favorite segments uh, for this episode and every episode: the reader questions. So I'm going to toss it over to JJ uh, to take it away for the hosting job on that one. All righty, we. Uh... Kind of a, a scarce mailbag this time around, but we'll we'll power through. Uh, starting off with our our honestly my favorite question asker and our most consistent uh, or our power starts out. Uh, so we moved on from Wilson, which seemed a bit abrupt to me. Uh, did they get an offer they couldn't refuse, or were they looking to flip him? What do you feel is the next most likely move, uh, call up and or trade, and when does it happen? Perchance. Yeah, I think uh, the Scott Wilson deal is. 
kind of a subtle, nice sell from Ken Holland. Like he was a obviously the Wings were looking to offload Riley Shahan, and the real prize of the Shahan deal was getting the third round pick. Um, but they had to give up a fifth. And I mean, Scott Wilson was going to be a free agent at the end of the year, I believe. And he wasn't a guy who was going to be a game changer. So might as well sell him and get back another pick. Um, I don't have any problem with that. And even something as little as a fifth round pick for a 25 year old guy who's not really shown a lot in the NHL. I think that's a pretty solid deal. Yeah, sure. I mean, he only got, um, you know, just over seven minutes ice time per game, 17 games. Um, you know, so he, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't really going to be a contributor. He wasn't really going to add too much value. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, it makes sense to get something for him. Um, and then what's the question is uh, the next most, the, I'm sorry, the next most likely move. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I think we, we have an open roster spot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the, the move I'd like to see, I, I mean, we keep saying free Joe Hicketts. I want Joe Hicketts up. I don't care if we're playing 10 and eight, uh, but, you know, get him up in, in any way you can. But um, I don't know. I mean, I would expect if as long as he's healthy, I think he is, uh, you know, Bertuzzi probably coming up. Um at the beginning of the season, I would have said Shvetsnikov. I know he's had some some struggles in the minors, so maybe he needs a little bit longer down there. But you know, I don't. I, I haven't been following that too closely. Um, but I'm just, you know, to be realistic, I'm sharpening up my uh, Matt Laredo puns. I think that uh, that Tyler Bertuzzi being the next call up is probably the most likely at this point. Like I, I don't want to. Like I'm not calling it a stone cold lock. Because um, yeah, I I think that. It, what's being severely downplayed is because they keep calling it a, a neck injury for Svechnikov. Uh, I I can still see the play in preseason where he got kneed in the side of the head, and I think that it's going to take a while for him to shake that off. So, like, I, I think Svechnikov still has a higher ceiling, but I am I'm in no hurry to rush that guy um, back up anywhere. So. Bertuzzi kind of fits the the mold of what exactly they'd be calling him back up for anyway. So uh, we've got that spot. I don't think that they're going. I I don't know. I I hope that it's not like oh uh, Luke Witkowski's suspension is over, so we can just put him back in there. I I do expect them to call up Bertuzzi uh, decently soon, um, but I don't know how quickly. So uh, Mdra twelve. Says with news about Key Arena and Seattle being renovated, would you rather see the NHL expand to Seattle, Houston, or Quebec City? Um, Seattle, because then there's uh, there's another team uh, in the West, and we don't have to worry about possibly moving conferences again. All right. Yeah, sure. I think either Seattle or Houston tonight. Um, someone, I can't remember who it was on Twitter today, made a really good point about Quebec City. Putting another hockey team there doesn't really foster new fans because it's Canada. Um, yep. Put a hockey team in Seattle, put a hockey team in Houston, you have a chance to expand or grow your game. So I, I'm comfortable with either. I personally think Houston would be really exciting mm-hmm. because it's such a large market and you look at how well the Rockets have done there. Um, you look at how well the Texans have done there as a relatively new franchise. Um, I do think a Houston team, uh, 
you know, bringing back almost like the arrows from the from like 40 years ago. They love the arrows back then. I think that would be a good market for them. Yeah, that's the thing is mm-hmm. Houston does have a, a a good history of hockey, and a lot of people are you know skipping over. Oh, well, the 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 Houston arrows aren't there anymore. The AHL moved out of Houston um, without realizing that the reason they moved out of Houston was that the guy who owned the arena like tripled their rent. It wasn't that they weren't drawing fans. It was the business of the AHL is you're not always going to get to own your own building. And sometimes shitty businessmen want to use your space for doing something that's going to make them more money. Um, and that was the case is that the, the arrows got run out because they could, the, the profit margins on concerts were slightly higher than they were for AHL games. But Houston liked that hockey team. They they loved that hockey team. So I I think that they it makes more sense from a growing the game standpoint to put a team in Houston. Um, I think that Seattle would probably initially take to it a lot better. But longer term, I think Houston would probably be a, a better deal. Um I think if you're going to put another team anywhere in Canada, I think you should force a second team to go into Toronto uh, just because that market has kind of needed a second team since, uh, you know, Buffalo started their rebuild. Yeah. yeah but, anything in 50 years, you probably need a team there to help with that. <laughs> I was going to say that, um, I was going to say that, that Prashanth, your, uh, your argument about how putting a team in Quebec City wouldn't uh, grow the league anymore uh, has convinced me that that's what the NHL will do. I like that they put out that like the price for an expansion team is, has gone up by $150 million since Vegas. Yeah. So, cool. Like Gary Bettman's not getting fired. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, Big Text D has a potential trade... With the Hurricanes, wants to know if it makes sense. Uh, they have great young depth on defense and a ton of cap space. They need a number two center, some depth scoring, and a quality vet goaltender to help Darling. If it's truly time to rebuild, does some version of the trade below work for you guys? In which the Red Wings get Jake Bean, or another young Kane defenseman of your choice, Cam Ward, who's on an expiring contract, and a first-round pick... In return for trading away Henrik Zetterberg, one of the random defensemen, one of the logmen, log jam defensemen of your choice, Jimmy Howard and Darren Helm. I mean, what? Uh, uh, it's not a realistic deal whatsoever. But even if I entertain that the deal could be made, there's no way Carolina makes that deal. Um, from a hurricane yeah. standpoint, the most expendable defenseman for them is probably Justin Falk. Um, you know. Prior to this, they're looking at moving Noah Hannafin, but I think he's had a much better year. But, I mean, they are literally loaded top to bottom, and while they are dealing from a position of strength, they're not going to overpay to do this because, you know, you're making this kind of deal when you're saying, I am one step away from a Stanley Cup. And right now we're talking about a team that hasn't made the playoffs in a while. Yes, they look really good this year, but they're not a cup contender, so why take on... Zetterberg, why take on Jimmy Howard? Why take on all these bad contracts while giving up Jake Bean, first round pick Cam Ward? No, I mean they'll they'll be able to add 
the, honestly, if you want to see what the Hurricanes are going to do, they're going to be real savvy. They're going to add Yaroslav Halak in the offseason, and then they're going to build from there. Like, that, that's their move. They don't need to do any of this, and they won't do any of this. Yeah, I, 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 nothing much to add. I mean, that's that's definitely true. Yeah, I don't see the Hurricanes doing it. I don't see the Red Wings doing it, and I don't see um, at least one of those three Red Wings players doing that because every yeah. one of every one of the players that's mentioned there, Zetterberg, Howard, and Helm, all have no trade clauses where they would get to to say no now obviously there would be a lot of a lot of good in the consideration of go to carolina where there's a a more promising future um but i don't know that all three of them would would agree to that no so all right rhode island red 2 says you're having a christmas cocktail party with the wings who drinks what and why ah I had a good answer for this, and I totally forgot it. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure Dylan Larkin's the dude calling for Jello shots. I'm just gonna <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say uh, Darren Helm uh, does Jello shots because that way, if he misses his mouth, he can still pick it up off the floor. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't really know. I don't really see. I don't really look at the Red Wings and see many like sophisticated drinkers. Like I'm pretty sure like. I look at Jimmy Howard, and I think he's drinking like Bombay gin straight from the bottle. Um, <laughs> I mean, like that—that's what I'm seeing here. I'm not seeing any of the guys grabbing a nice glass of, you know, eighteen-year-old scotch. Yeah, Athanasiu is drinking whiskey, no chaser, because the chaser wouldn't catch him anyway. Exactly. Oh, there we well go. Played. I'm drinking whatever is going to get me dancing with Tatar fastest, because that's. <laughs> Tatar is not drinking. That's, that's how. <laughs> oh man, that's how we get to uh, like that. That would be the Red Wings cocktail. It would be a dance party before you know it. <laughs> exactly. And I'm all down for that. Uh, let's see. Tedaske says, "What's your idea of a, a perfect weekend?" <sighs> hmm. I mean, hand me a bottle of bourbon and give me zero responsibilities. <laughs> I would say it definitely has to be either over the summer or during one of my school breaks so that I don't have to worry about work at all. Cause uh, you know, even on the weekends I'm, I'm constantly thinking about school, you know, thinking about my job. So definitely has to be that probably over the summer would be nice. Um, you know, now, now that I have the dog definitely doing something with the dog, you know, at least part of the day. Yeah. I mean, is it bad that I can't really think of this? <laughs> Yeah, just a just a good day. Um, yeah. yeah, I'll go specifically in the middle of June because the perfect weekend involves the Red Wings finishing off a, a Stanley Cup victory, and that that happens around the middle of June. Hmm. So that'll go. That'll happen on Saturday, so that I can spend all day Sunday just kind of like gloating and 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 enjoying <laughs> that. Uh, Saturday during the day, I get to kill that time hanging out just with uh, just with with my family the kids are are all listening to me all day long that's <laughs> that's rare but but available like a little cookout maybe uh maybe play a little frisbee just some just some goofy backyard games with uh with good food and, and all the family around so then the wings win the cup of course and then sunday 
I'll get online for an hour and just gloat um, for going back to my perfect family weekend. Yeah, I'd probably spend more than an hour just so I could tweet all the Leafs fans. <laughs> yeah, I say like it. Like I would concentrate on an hour, but I'd probably spend the rest of the day on my phone also gloating. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So uh, I was going to say you probably spend you probably spend an hour just uh, just tweeting anthrax. Oh yeah, (laughs) of course. Um, Baby Lark says uh, my girlfriend now fiance. Congratulations by the way. Started watching the Wings with me two seasons ago. At first, she really liked watching the games. Seeing as how she doesn't have twenty plus years of awesome Wings memories that I have, how do I convince her to keep watching the Wings? She keeps seeing other teams and drops comments like, I think I might like the Rangers. How do I get her to understand how wrong her thoughts are, <laughs> even though she's right to think them because we suck? Ah, this I is think, tough. I think the best, the best course of action here is just to encourage her to watch hockey um, because – you know, you can't force somebody to like the thing you like. You know, you can't force somebody to watch, you know, to like the team you do. But if she does develop an appreciation for the sport in general, you know, even if she wants to root for another team, then maybe she can still enjoy watching the Red Wings games with you, even though she's not emotionally invested, you know, if she cares about the sport and enjoys it. So I think that's that's the best advice I got. I mean, this is a tough one. Uh I mean, I would probably just be like, get out while you can, because hockey is clean. Um, <laughs> but in all seriousness, like, this is tough. Like, it is tough to get someone to buy in when the team is as bad as it is. And if you have, like, a pretty solid insight on the fact that it's not getting better anytime soon. I mean, you just got to do what Peter said. Watch a lot of hockey. Learn to appreciate the sport. And maybe, you know, whatever you gravitate to, you gravitate to. If it's excellent-looking Swedish goaltenders, then fine. Be a Rangers fan. uh, Otherwise, I don't really know what else to say to that. Yeah. I mean, you know, definitely try to watch games in person if possible. You know, even if it's not an NHL game, you know, because I think that's that's definitely helpful in getting people, you know, to to really appreciate the sport. Yeah. I mean, from a relationship standpoint, um don't try to like I don't try to control her fandom. It's gonna grow how it grows and it's just gonna cause you stress trying to force her to like a team that objectively without twenty plus years of awesome wings memories um, is not very hard is not very easy to like. Um, you know don't uh, don't don't gate gatekeep her fandom if she wants to like the Rangers great. Don't call her a, a bandwagon Rangers fan because everybody starts out as a bandwagon fan. Um, you know, obviously, yeah, give her shit because you're supposed to do that. Um, but is, as long as the the appreciation for hockey is there, that's something that you two can share together. And then she'll uh, she'll come around when when the Red Wings do. It's it'll be a rebuilding of of more than just the team. It'll be a rebuilding of of her fandom to to the right team. And uh, and that's that's what I say. Don't uh, just don't even try. <laughs> the bonus question: What is your favorite brand slash style of tortilla chip? Um, I actually like to make my own in the oven. So I guess my brand. They're delicious. Oh, that's pretentious. That's, I love it. Yeah. Oh, they're so good. That's quite pretentious. I, I, I'm okay with that. <laughs> 
<laughs> like the 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 Tostitos, like the the salsa verde chips, those are pretty mm-hmm. good. I also like the scoops. Yeah, pretty useful. Yeah. Or the one that has a hint of lime. I think that's yeah, my favorite yeah. tortillas. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of hard to go wrong with tortilla chips. Yeah, I don't. I mean, unless you're like, I don't even know how you how you mess that up. Yeah, I can't remember having like like tortilla chips where I was like, oh my god, this is terrible. Yeah, I, I wish I wasn't eating these tortilla chips. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm always gonna eat the tortilla chips. So. Yeah. <laughs> And then we had some questions uh, in response to uh, Prashantha asking people for questions on Twitter, but they were all basically, why hasn't Ken Holland been fired? So we covered that. Uh, I'm, I'm cool with calling the, the reader questions section over and passing the reins back off to you, Peter. Oh, cool. I totally forgot that that's going to happen. So, okay. Uh, <laughs> the, um, you know, so looking ahead, we have the... Uh, the the whim meetup uh, this Saturday. So uh, if you're able to make it down there, um, so it's a uh, is Hopcat right, and it's uh, shortly after the game, I guess. Is that correct? Yeah, we're we're gonna meander over there as as time. Like I'm not racing out of the the LCA yeah. to get over to like Hopcat as soon as possible. Woodward to to Hopcat. So just whenever yeah. people get there, four thirty ish. Yeah, so I mean, you know, definitely take, you know, definitely, uh, you know, get out there if you're able to. Uh, like I said, I really wish I could be there, but I can't, unfortunately. Um, so you know, so go have a have a really good time. Uh, let's take a look at the schedule ahead, and let's uh, finish up with some crystal ball predictions about the upcoming games. So let's see, we, uh, you know, we got the game on Saturday, and then we'll uh, we'll take a look at the next two weeks after that. Hopefully, you know, we'll be coming to you uh, in between now and then. But so we got St. Louis on Saturday. Uh, Florida, uh, Boston, and Toronto next week. Those are all at home. And then we're on the road for three straight, actually four, counting the next one. We got the Islanders, we got Philly, and we got Boston. All right, so let's see. That's four, seven. That's seven games, 14 possible points. So, Prashanth, what do you think is going to be the outcome here? Uh, they will come away with six points. Okay. JJ, what do you got? Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. No, I, I keep going. Know they're going to be, so... Uh, yeah, I also uh, am leaning towards six points. I will call uh, two of those come against Boston in those two games. I don't know if that it, maybe, yeah, two against Boston. Uh, I think they will surprise St. Louis because uh, I'll be there. And then they'll <laughs> they'll beat Philadelphia on the second night of back-to-back on the road in Philadelphia as another big surprise. And then nothing else would be surprising yeah it's hard to go much higher than that uh based on the you know the the previous results and i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna say we beat florida uh i'm gonna say we get a point against boston in one of those games that'll be three points uh see it's hard because we're playing the islanders and i know that if we lose to them that all my friends are going to be rubbing that in my face so that's definitely going to happen uh, and then, and then again, we should beat we should beat Philly on the second night of the back to back. But most of the times when we should beat a team, we don't. Um, I'm going to go five points. I'm going to go two against Florida. I'm going to go one against Boston the first time, and I'm going to go two against Boston the third time. So five points. So so we are we are definitely optimistic. Um, 
Although actually, I think I think we're we're all predicting a better uh, a better rate than the last ten games. So uh, I guess we are a little optimistic. So anyway, all right. So thanks a lot for listening. Uh, before we uh, before we wrap this up, any last thoughts, either JJ or Prashanth? Uh, I would like the Red Wings to be nicer to Peter Morazic. That's it. <laughs> yeah. No, I got nothing. Yeah, nothing. Okay. So um, so for me, Peter, uh, for JJ, and for Prashanth, thanks a lot for listening, and have a great day. Yeah.